So I have a weird Elvis fact. Want to hear it? I do. So I, I was reading up on Elvis and Priscilla's relationship, and apparently he told uh, Priscilla he doesn't do moms. No moms. He has, a, he has a no mom policy, or he had a no mom policy. So when Priscilla had Lisa Marie, that was it. The relationship was over. He was like, we can't have sex anymore. And they didn't. I feel like that was in something that I saw recently. So you knew about this random Not fact? about Elvis Presley, but someone else or some character or something had a no mom no policy. Which was like, yeah, as soon as your wife gave birth to your... I, I think it was a cult leader, actually. As soon as oh, your wife... Oh, the Mormon guy? The keep, sweet, the keep sweet and obey guy? I, I have no idea. No wonder watching... he had so many wives. Um, I watched, a, a, I binged a YouTube channel that was all like talking about fundamental religion and cult people and dissecting all that stuff with a snarky attitude. And I feel like that was a th like, yeah, like I don't do moms. So once you gave birth to our son, I'm, I'm, that's it for you. That's so weird. It's so crazy to me. I think that's even crazier than the Elvis karate stuff is the no mom policy. And it it kind of makes me a little bit prejudiced against Elvis. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I have to admit that going into this episode. Yeah, but at least in Bubba Hotep, we get to see a more regretful, somber side of Elvis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so i like to think elvis lived long enough to regret all of his decisions <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's break out the fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches and uh um more elvis references head to the heartbreak hotel All right, baby, let's do it. Whip crack, taking care of business. This is Necromancer. Necromancer. I'm Shira, and I'm a fan of romantic comedies. I'm Brett, and I'm a fan of horror movies. Each week here at This Them Here Necromancer, I pick a rom-com, Brett picks a horror movie, and then we like to flip-flop those movies and turn the rom-com into a horror and the horror into a rom-com. And if you hadn't already guessed, this week we are talking about the um, disputed king of rock and roll. I mean, that's his title, right? He's the king of rock and roll, or he's just the king, period. But we're talking about Elvis, yeah, there's a lot of kings. There's a lot of kings, but um, kings I've... of Leon, kings of rock and roll. What fathers. about Michael Jackson? Wasn't he the king of pop? He's the king of pop. Ah, uh, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, the now king. now that I won't argue with. MJ is definitely the king of pop. Right, but yeah, he is. He is and always will be 
Elvis, like larger than life, the king. Yeah, it definitely like there. It, there's only a few things that you need to immediately be recognizable as Elvis. I mean, not even all you need is just hair or even just a voice. Yeah, like Johnny Bravo was blonde, but he was definitely Elvis. Very Elvis, very Elvis. Um, yeah, the the lip curl. I always think about the lip curl. You know, an underrated Elvis fe- Elvish, El- an underrated <laughs> Elvis feature that I feel like people don't talk about enough is his eyes look so sleepy. Yeah. He has very sleepy eyes. I think maybe that's part of what makes Elvis so attractive to people is he always looks like he's sleepy or just waking up from a dream. Yeah, he's a very sleepy boy. And he's... <laughs> And he's very sort of go with the flow. So, yeah, it's like he's too tired to fight life. And he's just here to 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 go with the flow. Go with the flow, sing us a song, race some cars, kill some mummies. So, gotta ask, do you have any history with Elvis? Are you an Elvis fan? No, I mean, like, growing up, I knew who Elvis was like everyone else. I knew his songs. I knew, like, that he was a movie star. I had family members who loved Elvis. But, no, I don't have any particular, like, a tr- like I- I'm not into Elvis, no. So, but you said you do have family members that are Elvis aficionados? Oh yeah, like some of my my older family members for sure. Like they they loved Elvis. They like yeah, they 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 were enamored with Elvis. Elvis was an icon of the time. And to anyone who lived during prime time Elvis time, like I think he'll always be that the prime time version. Yeah, I feel like I don't know anything about Elvis. I feel like for me, my exposure to Elvis was through Forrest Gump. As far as I'm concerned, Elvis learned all of his moves from a young Forrest Gump. I yeah. I didn't I I never listened to Elvis music growing up. I think I only heard um Elvis songs at weddings. Because yeah. uh, can't what is it? Can't help falling in love with you is is a, a wedding staple. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just so weird that like you could be on like he, he was he was on top of the world. And and now he's... and then he died on a toilet. I feel like that's the other thing that we all obsess about with Elvis is how he died on a toilet constipated from pills yeah that sucks man (laughs) that's a that's a i mean i guess that's a good way to go doing what you like i mean i don't know sometimes you have like a poop that is such a relief when it comes out of you i could see your soul leaving your body as a response yeah i've had a couple of those (laughs) it's always nice when you don't know that you have to take one of those poops and then you do and like you feel you feel lighter 
in your soul. You're right. You do a Kamehameha on the toilet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Full blast. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Any any Elvis songs that you would consider bangers? Uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Hound Dog. I knew oh, that yeah? one. You, you My like brother a classic. loved that song. My brother loved that song. Like we had really, yeah. So, we, so he had that song on a lot. I mean, yeah, you know, like we had. He was kind of into like Beach Boys for a while, you know, like when you're eight and you hear one Beach Boys song. So next thing you know, you're playing like all of their songs mm-hmm. all the time. They were Elvis influenced, right? Like they they had a little bit of Elvis flavor to them. Yeah, so it's kind of that Elvis adjacent. So I don't know, just yeah, just I, I'm familiar with the hits. He's a he's he's he has like he he does catchy songs and he's got a nice voice. He does have a nice voice and he doesn't overuse vibrato. He he's a very expressive singer. I would say that yeah. as far as Elvis is a singer, what sets him apart from other people is that he's able to really sing with emotion and i think you know once you got into the 70s there were kind of more more deadpan even tone singers or pre-elvis kind of big band singers always kind of had one happy tone to them but uh yeah he yeah he, he had a little bit of that gospel spice that he would add onto the song and yeah and i i definitely think that's uh part of his charm uh i've always liked always on my mind which is a a song that he it was basically well he didn't write the song but it was to priscilla after their divorce uh so you know it's i, I feel like always on my mind it it's not quite on the level of, say, I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton, which is one of the most ultimate breakup songs. <laughs> um, but Always On My Mind is great. I, I love the uh, Pet Shop Boys version of the song. is also really good. Yeah. Um, so you said you don't really have any connection with Elvis? You don't? I don't have any connection with Elvis, but I will at the end of these episodes recommend an Elvis song that I've come to love. And I, I picked out two very special songs to talk about. But uh, yeah, the, the short answer is I didn't like Elvis until someone I thought was cool liked Elvis. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like I I was fully ready to disparage Elvis and to be like, uh, Elvis sucks. None of his songs are good. And then later on, someone really cool had some Elvis songs in their in their rotation. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe Elvis is cool. Yeah, maybe this Elvis guy knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, if this person likes him, then I have to. Uh, but, uh, I will, I'll reveal who that person is at the end of this episode. So stick around. (laughs) Oh, we got a hook now. Uh, so now the question, which film should we do first? Um, the, the, 
the start, the, the, the creation of this theme came from when my brother texted me saying that he got his wife to watch Bubba Hotep. Oh, and that she cool. liked it. And I hadn't seen it since it came out. And I saw it with my brother. So my brother was like, when's the last time you watched Bubba Hotep? I was like, it's been a while. He's like, you should watch it. And then with the Elvis <laughs> movie coming out, I mean, I know that we've done the Boz Luhrmann. Um, we've covered him on the podcast before. Boz Luhrmann, friend of the podcast, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I really don't have any desire to see a biopic about Elvis. But it's going to be I mean? so glittery with Boz Luhrmann. And then he's going to do that shot where he, he like comes in from really far away and zooms in on a person's face. Yeah, I mean, I would see it, you know what I mean? I'm always one of those guys who like, oh, is that what everyone else wants to see? I guess that's what I'm watching. I don't have anything against, but you know, I, I don't know. It's musical. It's no Mr. Malcolm's list, but. Right. <laughs> uh, musical biopics are one of those genres that's like, all right. But, I like, um, uh, walk. what is it, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, you don't want none of this, do we? Um, yeah, it's hard to imagine, like, after that deconstruction of the genre, people actually went back and were like, no, we can still do it seriously. Like, uh... Um, but I thought, like, what better way to kind of celebrate Elvis than to actually watch one of his movies? Although you almost didn't pick one of his movies... This is true. Okay, when you suggested Elvis as the theme, the first movie that I thought of was not an Elvis movie at all. I thought of True Romance, where uh, the ghost of Elvis counsels Christian Slater. Um, right. But then I really didn't want to watch the scene where Christopher Walken monologues about Sicilians and drops the end bomb multiple times. Oh yeah. And and I you know, I I it, it's true romance was not sorry. Sorry Quentin. <laughs> sorry um soundtrack to the movie by Danny Elfman. It just sorry Christian Slater. <laughs> it just wasn't it wasn't right. And then I realized, you know what? I haven't seen a single Elvis movie. It is a blind spot in my um, my fan filmography, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, you know what? I should just give Elvis a chance. Give Elvis a chance. Yeah. Um, although it was funny to hear in Bubba Hotep him say that all of the movies he did were terrible. And on online, as I started to look for Elvis starring movies, there were many people commenting that these movies were made solely to sell records. They're like the G.I. Joes of movies, you know, like those cartoons we used to watch just so we yeah. would buy the toys. And in this case, the toy was Elvis. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so all this is to say, I think that before we dip into bruce campbell's take on what elvis would be like if he had survived we need the coca-cola classic original yeah, I flavor think we need to, yeah i think we need to see spend a little time with og elvis and uh essentially i mean what better way to introduce yourself to elvis than this movie which is to just go on a date with elvis 
Yes, this movie <laughs> is basically what would it be like to go on a date with Elvis in Las Vegas? And and I think that if that were the mission statement of the movie, it fulfills that statement very well. And, you know, I, I kind of did, uh, you know, I've talked previously on this podcast about my letterbox method of finding movies. And so once the theme was Elvis, I immediately went to Letterbox, found a curated list of Elvis movies by an Elvis movie fan, I assume. And then I filtered that list for genre romance. Uh, and the one that this curator uh, had uh, rated highest in that category was Viva Las Vegas. And then I read their review and they were like, and Margaret is a sensation and she goes toe to toe with the king. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, right. but but they were adamant that of of the on-screen female pairings for Elvis, that Anne Margaret was the best. We'll have to take this person's word for it, because I don't have a lot to compare it to, so. I don't, yeah, I don't have a lot to compare it with. There was, um, so this is actually, Viva Las Vegas is one of three movies where Elvis plays a race car driver. And then there was another movie, I think Speedway, where Nancy Sinatra was the girl. And I do enjoy Nancy Sinatra's mm -hmm. music. You know, these boots are made for walking. Also for real fans, Summer Wine, and um, some of her um, duets with um, uh, that other guy, not Elvis, but uh, I, I like her music, so I was into it. But when it came to looking at the ratings of the movies, it seemed like of, of the Elvis movies that are rom-coms, that this one was the one that everybody at least liked. I mean, it seems like you either fall on the side of I'm an Elvis fan, therefore I love these movies for what they are, or a non-Elvis fan and letterbox completionist being like, these are dog shit. Uh, so I, I wanted to go with, okay, what are the Elvis fans like? And I would say that Viva has some charm to it. Yeah. I do feel like um, as soon as the opening shot of uh, the the aerial shots of Vegas and the song came in, it made me feel like I'd seen lots of um, riffs off this intro, like when characters go to Vegas and then suddenly Viva Las Vegas starts playing and it's like... Yeah. So I felt like even though I'd never seen Viva Las Vegas, I feel like I've seen dozens of movies influenced by it when characters go to vegas oh yeah i don't know the the history of vegas in film but i can imagine this being one of those movies that just like like you said this is a product this is definitely a product they're trying to sell elvis they're trying to sell vegas and they they do a good job like they <laughs> Like, well, like you said, it. yeah, they, oh. I mean, this is, this has kind of become the, the standard, the foundation of all Vegas intros and movies and scenes. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it makes me think about how, you know, after Psycho, 
everything was just imitating Psycho. After Viva Las Vegas, there was no better cinematic shorthand for Vegas. Right. So that that's why I chose it. Um, why don't we go ahead and get into the story? Awesome. So I'm going to read you the entire plot of this movie all in one go straight from Wikipedia. And then oh, we can the, dive. <laughs> the Wikipedia short version. Okay. And then we can me. actually go back and backtrack and talk about because the scene that this movie really is plotless. It's just a bunch of date set pieces and songs, which is fine. I mean, but... there is a plot. He has to get an engine for his race car so he can race in the Grand Prix. Right. And that is Lucky Jackson. We're talking about Lucky Jackson, a.k.a. Elvis. Uh, he goes to Las Vegas to participate in the city's first annual Grand Prix race. Uh, however, his car is in need of an engine in order to compete the event. So, well, actually, it tells you what the car is. I guess that would be a big thing. Uh, so it's the Elva Mark, the Elva Mark VI Maserati. Ooh, that's ooh. a good car. You know what's interesting? I, I, you know, side note, I was very, very interested in finding out whether or not Elvis was a fan of racing. Uh, and I learned that Elvis drove the first McLaren, not in this movie, but in another movie. And McLaren is a car manufacturer and team that races in Formula Racing, Formula One in particular. Um, which I'm familiar with. And so I, I thought, man, that's cool. So he 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 drove the first McLaren car. Yeah. That, so that'll yeah. be interesting to racing fans, perhaps. Um, and so, according to Wiki, Lucky raises the necessary money in Las Vegas, but he loses it when he is shoved into the pool by the hotel's young swimming instructor, instructor Rusty Martin. Lucky They're then really has chaining to... this plot together. Oh, yeah. Very Lucky... loosely. <laughs> Lucky then has to work as a waiter at the hotel to replace the lost money to pay his hotel bill, as well as enter the hotel's talent contest in hopes of winning a cash prize sizable enough to pay for his car's engine. During all this time, Lucky attempts to win the affections of Rusty. His main competition arrives in the form of Count Elmo Mancini, and his Ferrari 250 GT Berlinetta. Oh, oh man, I'm what so a car. team Ferrari. Oh, oh, I love that car. Such a great car. So many great cars in this movie. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mancini attempts to win. All you win need both to know is it's Ferrari, baby. <laughs> right? Uh, Mancini attempts to win both the Grand Prix and the affections of Rusty. Rusty soon falls in love with Lucky and immediately tries to change him into what she wants. That's the end of your Wikipedia description. That's it. That That's all you get. That is so unfair. And I will tell you, uh, we'll get to it, but I will. I have a thesis and I am ready to defend why Rusty is so adamant that Lucky slash Elvis uh, quit racing. Uh, and we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but she actually has a very compelling reason to be like, it's crazy for you to continue in this sport. Yes. <laughs> By the time we actually see what racing <laughs> means in 1964. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we get the introduction of the engine. We just see this nice, glorious, silver giant engine, and this There's some guy. Nice car porn. Yeah, and this guy is like he's a he, his name is Shorty. He's a, he's sort of a small, weasley, high energy, hectic, nervous man, and he's trying to get the money, or he's trying to reserve the engine for Elvis, who is in Vegas. Elvis. Or Lucky Jackson. Lucky goes to Vegas and immediately wins all the money he needs to pay for the engine. He's and good so at gambling. He is. And so what he does is he goes to the garage and he he reserves himself a spot in the race. And then he tells everyone who will listen, I'm driving back to L.A. to get an engine so I can be part of this race. Now, I don't know where I went wrong or what happened, how I was how much I was distracted or what, but I thought the race was in 2 days, which made me extremely anxious for the first half of this movie. <laughs> because I was like, where's your sense of urgency, man? You've got it's a deadline to make. Apparently there was no rush and then also we never got to see qualifying. So we have no idea who had pole position in this race, what the starting grid actually looked like or why. Um, so the I, even though Elvis is um, his racing cars, we never see anything about the race until the very end of the movie. And then, of course, right. in the beginning. I also thought that the introduction of... Um, Mancini was pretty cool. Like he just seems like a super cool, chill guy. He's like, yeah, I've been racing in Europe. Now I want to challenge. So I want to win here too. And he makes Elvis uh, an offer to be his teammate because usually in racing or at least in formula racing, it's teams of two for each like team, two racers. And Although there's not supposed to be a one on a two, there usually is. And so he wants Elvis to basically be his wingman and yeah, play defense. Yeah, he wants him to yeah. block the other car so that he can get ahead of everybody. But Elvis, lucky, he's like, no, I want to win. But they, their, their competition with each other is always friendly. There's This is yeah. a conflict-free movie. Uh, even oh, though. Yeah. Even though we still have to like, oh no, he's got to get the engine. He's got to get the girl too. I I was never worried at at any point during this movie, except I guess I I would be worried if like you, I was thinking that he had this short deadline. But even then, it was like, yeah, relax, yeah, go to the pool. <laughs> and so he, him and Mancini. You're right. The intro to Mancini is really fun, and he's like, hey. I saw you race. You're a really cool kid. Why don't we just like be buds? Like, even if you're not going to race for me, because I get it. We're all competitive. You want to be number one. I want to be number one. That's cool. Let's just immediately be best friends. And Elvis has that air about him, that vibe about him, that like anyone who meets him is like automatically his friend. Um, yeah. And then we get this really cool scene where like they go under the car to inspect the car. And then Anne Margaret walks up with no the legs, legs walk up <laughs> right 
and she's all legs. And uh, the, it is the a camera, cool shot. The camera goes underneath the car as they do because they're on the rollers, and then it, it I, it's a really cool shot. Um, this movie is not overshot. That's the one thing that I liked about it. It was very practical in what it was doing, but it also had moments of flash. Um, but it wasn't yeah, over edited. It wasn't like the chemistry between the actors you could feel. Right. I think that's a good point. And they, they, yeah, they definitely pick their moments to say, okay, here's where something a little more cinematic feels really cool. Like the introduction to Anne Margaret. Um, Although it's funny to me, you know, now in 2022, when we're recording this podcast, the, the body type that's in is just so different (laughs) from what it was in the 60s and so they zoom in on Anne margaret's teeny tiny little butt and it's supposed to be like wow we zowie wowie yeah i'm like it's just so small it's just so little (laughs) but she does have a great pair of legs she does um in fact yes you you mentioned that we get to see Anne margaret's butt and this movie has more butts teeny tiny shorts (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this movie has more butts in it than a Fast and the Furious movie. Like, <laughs> it is, the first half of this movie is all butts. It's all butts. Because <laughs> we, we set up this thing where Elvis, Lucky Jackson, and Mancini have to help Anne margaret Rusty, with her car because her car's making noise, and they kind of give her a little bit of uh, trouble about it. Oh, like, they immediately oh. do the do the misogynist mechanic thing where there really like is only a minor inconvenience with her car, but they're like, no, engine's dead. You're just going to have to stay here and flirt with us. Right. Uh, yeah, you are then, now our prisoner. <laughs> but then, yeah, she has to say yes now. <laughs> um, but then Mancini, because he realizes that Lucky's pulling ahead, he he pulls the old switch on him and's like, "Oh, car's fixed." Yeah, and so, but also, like, this is 1964, so like, I I imagine a lot of people don't really know how cars work, <laughs> but um. Because I don't, in 2022, I don't know anything about cars. But, um, yeah, so she she is able to escape without Lucky getting any of her information. So what is a hound dog like Lucky Jackson to do other than to hit up every single night show in Vegas? Because with a pair of legs like those, she's got to be a showgirl. And, gotta uh, be. We, we get butts. We get butts for 10 minutes. It's butts. That's the movie, is butts. Um, it's Tina Belcher would have, would love this movie. <laughs> uh, just butts, butts, butts. But yeah, we go through this fun little thing where they go to all the shows and they're looking for her. And Elvis gets to sing his Texas song to get all the good old Texas boys out of the bar. I halfway resented the depiction of Texans, but also it was very accurate. As someone who's not from Texas, it is very accurate. (laughs) Um, And so unfortunately for Lucky, he is unable to find Rusty and add presumably another notch to his belt 
Um, but the morning after, as him and Man- he's he once again he's about to go to L.A. for like the eighth time in this movie. I'm going to L.A. now. Uh, on his way out, he checks out the uh, swim instructor at the hotel he's staying at, which just so happens to be Rusty. So what does he do? He go or she's the pool manager. She also teaches at the the pool. She teaches swimming lessons. So what does he do? He goes and goes to her her dressing room and sings to her. And what does she do? She sings back, and they end up having this cool little cute. meet, like not meet cute because they already had their meet cute, but they have this this flirting duet song set piece. The lady loves me. I thought it was cute. Yeah. It was cute. And um, yeah, and then she pushes him in the pool and his money, his wad of money comes out. This little kid comes and gets it and just puts it right by the suction thing. And then all of his money is gone. So when I Shorty- liked it, it made me think that he was going to give it back to Elvis. But then yeah. he was like, nope, nope. Uh, and so then Elvis goes to pay for his hotel room. Um, and he has no money. So of course, 1964, what do they do? They put him to work and he becomes, I'll just add one more thing. I was extremely relieved that Elvis didn't pick up that guitar and start doing Wonderwall. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) um, yeah, but then he, he just becomes a waiter and he is like the most laid back coolest waiter he just doesn't care he's got this air about him that's like just go with the flow man so what i lost the money it's not like i made the money i won the money i'll just get it back by winning some more um and the whole time he's trying to to again win a date win the affection of rusty and he's sort of able to like he's sort of able to to um what is it called when you like he, he like dares her onto a date and she's like all right challenge accepted let's see if you have what it takes to date a girl like me um and so he he does he meets her at the school and oh my god the school scene this crazy dance she is i don't know what she's doing at the school she's teaching she's having a manic episode at the university of nevada or wherever they were yeah um but it's funny it's like elvis is like want to go dancing and she's like i'll take you dancing and then makes him watch her do this really weird dance and but then he, he gets up on stage and he has a good time yeah, he says something like he's not allowed to dance or they'll take his license away or he makes something about like he can't dance here at the school in front of everyone, but he will sing a song, which includes just a tiny little bit of dancing. Um, and then the movie just becomes a date movie and not just a date movie in the sense it is of like the ultimate date. And I yeah. can't believe they do this all in a day. Because it's like five days worth of dates. Again, I'm having a panic attack at the (laughs) idea that this man has 48 hours to drive to L.A., get the engine that he needs, and he doesn't even have the money for any of this, and then get back to win the race. 
and he's not worried about any of it. So again, I don't think there's a two day countdown, but there's, he, he has zero sense of urgency on anything, but yes, they go riding on mopeds. They have a fake little shootout. They go into a helicopter. Cause of course Elvis knows how to fly. Um, and then they go water skiing and they go to a club to dance. But like, even when they're in the helicopter, which will come back later, she's giving a tour of Vegas. So again, not only is this to sell Elvis records, but like, this is to sell you on going to Las Vegas. Uh, she gives, they you joke about You can go see it. Elvis and you can do all these things. Yeah, she. they joke about it. They're like, oh, you could be a tour guide. But it's like, yeah, this movie, It, but you know what I mean? Like, also, I could just imagine being a teenager in 1964 and not having any of the things we have nowadays. So it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to take your date to the drive-in. You're going to be in your car, right? Or like your dad's car, whatever. And then you get to go see a movie about cars. But also, like, the girl gets to see a movie about singing and dancing. And it's got this pretty boy, dancer boy in it. But then at the last, like, ten minutes of the movie is just a crazy race. So it's like, it's like, it's like 70 minutes of girl flick. Again, it feels like a manic episode. Yeah, within 10 minutes of like, oh, right, fellas, this is going to like, like they put all the guy stuff at the end so that like the guys can get all revved up at the end. But um, I just imagine this being like a huge drive in movie, put this movie first, get all the kids there and then they can make out during the second movie. But um, (laughs) yeah, like we just have this extended 30 minute dance or date scene so i just it was 30 minutes i mean that's what it felt like the whole the whole set piece beginning to end when all is said and done by the time they sort of wind down by meeting the dad and then going out to the club and just sort of the aftermath of the date and all the little ties they put on that like it's it's a large chunk of the movie is is just you're right, but I will say this. I thought that Anne Margaret was especially adorable during the date scene. Uh, and yes. I learned in my research of her that Anne Margaret loves to ride motorcycles. And oh. so her doing the um, stunt where she stands on the moped, she clearly looked very comfortable doing that. And I think one of the reasons why is because she's she's into to motorcycles. She she loves uh, she's a little easy rider. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thought that she was especially adorable during those scenes. And then I'll also say I liked the song that Elvis did in the club scene. He did a cover of what I'd say or what I'd say say what I say. I, I I'm stumbling on my words, but it's a Ray Charles song another biopic uh but yeah the elvis cover of that song was pretty cool yeah when you're elvis you get to go up on stage whenever you want yeah yeah any stage is 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 open to you if you're elvis and he's not even professionally a singer in this movie but right 
nobody, I mean, because it's Elvis, nobody bats an eye when it's suddenly like, hand this kid the microphone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the back half of this movie is really confusing. So they they get intimate. They're like having this moment where she's like, I want the white picket fence. I want this. And I need you to quit racing to do this. And it seems really unreasonable until you find out later how fucking deadly racing is. And let's save it. Let's save it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but, but yes, I, yeah. I think that she's valid for being like, maybe you should think of life after racing. Um, yeah, he's a bad boy, but he's a bad boy in a very sanitized, pretty boy sense of the sense of the word. But he's a bad boy and she's the girl who's going to change him. So, again, this is like a guy movie, but it's not. Um, and so... Yes, she she wants him to quit racing. He won't. So what this does is this leads to uh, her going out with the guy, Mancini, just as a way to kind of like spite Lucky Jackson. But and this whole talent show, too. It's like, oh, I'm going to date your rival and I'm going to beat you in the talent show, well, which we no, didn't she... even know about. She wants to win the talent show because she wants to buy a boat for her dad. Oh, that's right. Because her dad right. is a, a fishing tour guide who doesn't really own his own proper boat. Um, so she has reason to enter and try to win the, the talent show contest. But yes, she specifically dates Mancini to get under his skin. Um, but because he's a waiter at the hotel, he's the one who's serving them their food in their hotel room and he's serving them the food like he's cutting it up for them and feeding it to them like he's doing it's it's such a funny little set piece but it works it because is. it's just hijinks and you know what i'm a fan of hijinks seeing elvis sabotage the date that is clearly like not a real date but still has a potential for the two to fuck right because it's because she's her and Mancini Not is a good-looking European guy, right? So he um he sabotages their date and it's fun, but then we just sort of immediately go into the talent show and we get her set piece versus his set piece, and her set piece is this like almost weird strip tease. It's like Diamond's our girl's best friend updated for the 60s. Right. And it starts out as a striptease, but then like any kind of dance involving Anne-Margaret, it just becomes an onstage seizure <laughs> at some <laughs> point. Like, it's unclear if she needs medical help or I don't know. But um, yeah, I, she goes I, on and... <laughs> She shows off her cute little non-butt butt, and, uh, and everyone shakes. loves her. Yeah. And then Elvis comes out. And Elvis, and oh, right. There's an applause meter and she gets a 10, which means she's clearly in the lead. There's only one act left. Lucky Jackson comes out. And Lucky Jackson, do you know the song that he sings? He sings Viva Las Vegas. Oh, right. Yeah. So we get Viva Las Vegas. 
We hear this song three times in the movie, and this is the second. Yeah, and so we just get a whole set piece about how great, oh, right, and all these different showgirl-type girls come out, and... um he does work that stage. Like he interacted with everything on that stage, everything and everybody. He loves being on stage and there's a, there's a presence about him. It's a, it's a very cool presence of like, say la vie, go with the flow, but also like he knows he's the alpha swinging dick in the room, but he's not John Wayne. I know that they like, take their hats off for john wayne in the texas scene but like he's not a john wayne type man's man type man but he 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 just has charisma he works it yeah and so he ends up winning uh oh no it's a tie right because he also gets a 10 on the applause meter however that thing works whatever the science is behind the applause meter so uh the the mc of the event who i think is got to be some vegas guy right uh I, i'm i'm sad to say i don't know who it is um but uh he's like hey we got a tie let's do it the vegas way let's flip a coin baby so she picks heads it comes up tails that means he wins they bring out the second place prize which is hey a regulation size pool table <laughs> hope your apartment is big enough um but this is also one of those movies where like the poor people have infinite money despite not having any money so it's fine right like she she has plenty of space for a regulation size pool table um that, that part really got to you huh <laughs> it it was just i don't know like i had a pool table in my basement was it regulation up. size? I don't think it was regulation size, no. But it's a big, like, it's a big thing to have. It, it You have to build the room around the pool table. Um, this is true. Because not only do you need the space for the pool table, you need the space for the actual cue stick to do the pooling. Um, and so, but Elvis, Elvis wins the grand prize, which is going to clearly be enough money to get his engine so that he can enter his race uh, except uh, uh. <laughs> except the hotel has decided that the grand prize should be what is it it's something and an all-paid honeymoon to las vegas which is a yeah, very put that fun... money back back in the pool Right. It's a very fun kind of thing of like, of course, the Vegas grand prize would be more time in Vegas. Um, but he doesn't get his money. He doesn't get he, he's he's out of the race, essentially. So he goes back to the garage and he's like, all right, I'll work on your car for you, Mancini, but I'm not going to race for you, but I'll pout but i'm I'm a good guy and i really like cars and i want to be around cars and also at some point during all this he gets uh ann margaret a tree because she really wants the white tree right he she wants that that house with the white picket fence and a tree in the front yard so he gets her a tree and she thinks it's the most wonderful thing in the world but then in the very next scene she is super angry at him for not wanting to give up racing and unfortunately for her, uh, Shorty comes up with the engine 
miraculously somehow they have the engine yeah and they don't even like i i was like wait they suddenly have the engine how what happened and it's like shorty just the the ghost in the machine he just does it he just shows up with the engine so now they've done that the whole time well no we learn out why later but they have 12 hours to get the car ready so now we get this whole like whole little scene of like them trying to put the car in and and rusty's dad is gonna stay and help him out so of course she goes home and she sings a song about oh i hate that song that song is so weird and and her sandwiches did not look good oh no 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 i don't know what they were but they yeah they they did not look good but um yeah she sings this little song about how much she loves elvis and she just She's so mad at him for being such a great guy, but the only flaw is he loves racing. So she goes to the garage to give her dad all of the sandwiches that she made for him, and then she ends up like begrudgingly trying to help out of spite, but that only causes more things to go wrong because she doesn't know how to use any of the things. And then, boom, the engine's in, the race is starting. It's so sudden, and none of the stuff between them is resolved, but none we're just supposed to go with it. So then we have an explosion to kick off the race. All the drivers have to run to their car, and then they speed off. You said there's no qualifiers. I don't think there's any kind of pole position at all. Like The, the beginning of this race is... They run to their cars and just take off. Wait, but the car that's that's probably the most inside, that one that one this has is, an advantage. This is the first annual Grand Prix in Las Vegas. I don't think they had their act together. No, I don't clearly think, not. No. And so the race kicks off, and then Shorty is like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm a pilot too, so let's get in that helicopter from before rusty and rusty's dad and will follow along with elvis as he races through vegas and through the the vegas streets and over the hoover dam and all this stuff and also, how many laps were there the, i don't think there there is a lap it's just a beginning and an end and you've got to drive through the thing i have no idea though you have to if drive and also not die right and so then essentially this race becomes speed racer and (laughs) it is speed racer because not only are all the cars designed like speed racer cars and all the numbers on them are designed like speed racer numbers but they have a guy with the girl and the other guy in the helicopter following along like giving the reaction shots to all the crazy stuff that's going on and cars are exploding and people are dying. People are burning. People are being mangled. People are being crushed. People are being decapitated. I can only imagine. Like it that is has a happened during bag. racing during the sixties and seventies. Uh, it's it's crazy. I have it's, you ever gone onto Reddit that's... hobby drama? No. There's an excellent um, long form post about the history of safety regulations in Formula One racing. And they literally called 
the 60s and 70s, the killer years, because so many people died while racing. I mean, when they're like, oh, hey, this guy died and I don't want you to be like this guy. And they're like, eh, he was just unlucky. Like, no, half of the people in this race die. They don't just get taken out of the race. It's not like a little fender bender. They die. They die. They are it. That's it for them. Their one shot on this earth is spent. And they die a horrible death in the dead heat of vegas on the, yeah on the and, and this is such a cute vegas. little like fuzzy little oh we're just going on dates in vegas and then suddenly death by car and then elvis wins yeah he wins and then uh, he Ma- what? mancini then what? He just gets a flat her? tire yeah right. so mancini gets a flat tire so he's out of the race but alive thankfully uh, and then Elvis wins, and then it directly cuts to their wedding, checkered flags to checkered flags outside the chapel. And that's it. The movie's and over. I'm, go- I'm going to go so far as to say there's no happily ever after. There's just the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's shocking. I, like, I had It no... doesn't fade to white with wilting music to imply happily ever after. It's the last shot, and then boom, the end. <laughs> Yeah, it's incredibly abrupt, but again, when you think about the fact that this movie is a vehicle to sell Elvis records, then job done, finish the movie. It doesn't matter if we don't resolve the conflict between Lucky and Rusty, because the conflict between them never mattered. And one hour and 25 minutes. Oh, I do love the way that it clocked in ah, just under, <laughs> yeah, just under 90. And then uh, your boy Bubba, also a 90 minute movie. Also a tight, well, not a tight 90. It's a pretty, Twint. it's a pretty, uh, I think Bubba Hotep is a little bit of a slow meditative movie, but it's, it's short, which is good. It's slower than uh, Viva Las Vegas, but I mean, Viva Las Vegas is a younger Elvis movie, and there's there's a lot of energy uh, behind it. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I'll say about Viva is I I really liked uh, when so we had to get an Elvis sad song, obviously, which was the the I need somebody song. And they they have him go into the club when there's just a few couples around. And then Aww, the way they yeah. the way they lit it where he was in darkness and everybody else was lit. And then he starts singing and then slowly the lighting on him brightens. I thought that that was yeah. very cinematic. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I thought this movie was really cool and well shot. And like you said, it had energy, it had vibrancy. The colors of the movie were great. The the energy behind the movie and even the, the chemistry between Elvis and Anne-Margaret of just like, we're just two good looking people having a good time. Um, I, I, I liked it. I, I really liked it. But also... I enjoyed it, yeah. I mean, like seeing this at a drive-in would be would be peak. It it would be cool to see it. You know what I mean? Like, it feels uh, like a drive-in yeah. movie. I think that that's an yeah. accurate read. 
Um, and so with not, I mean, both movies are kind of short on, on plot to work with. Oh, but before we get into remakes, we got to know who was the guy or who was the character? Who was the person that you would ax from this movie? Who's the person you'd put in a car and who would I kill from this movie? Um, I don't want to kill anybody, any of the characters. I, I like to kill um, whoever organized this race. <laughs> yeah. I think Very. I think that's my that's my cop out answer is I'm killing the organizers of the Las Vegas Grand Prix because they really didn't consider the safety of the drivers at all. Right. There were no barriers, there were no gravel pits. Safety cars are a myth. Um, uh, yeah, no, they 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 had no shits to give about those drivers who burst into flames. Absolutely. Um, I pegged my guy right off the bat as who I was going to. Oh, kill. you already knew who you wanted to kill from like the first 10 minutes of the movie. Sure. And then I could and then Not I could my stop boy Mancini. No, 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 no. I'm going to kill the guy who was going to sell the engine to Elvis, but then was like, Elvis isn't here. Then no, he doesn't get the engine. Whoever comes in with the money gets the engine. And I thought it was pretty clear by the way Shorty was talking to him. Like, no, he knew who Lucky Jackson was. Like, Lucky Jackson, like, worked for him or spent time with him. And yeah, what a everyone, jerk. everyone in the movie loved Lucky Jackson. Even Anne Margaret, when she didn't like him at the beginning, still liked him. Everyone in the movie loved Lucky Jackson. But this guy at the beginning of the movie is like, no, he's not here. No. And I was like, this guy's a jerk. But uh, yeah, a lot of the people in the movie are are very likable. Um, but yeah, that's my answer. That 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 mean man. I think yes, the mean people have to go, and and you're certainly right. This movie was very light on a plot to work with when it comes to uh, creating a horror version. Uh, and, and yeah, I will say that, uh, I, I was not working, uh, my Amadeus inspirational magic was not at work here. Mm -mm. No. Yeah. I don't really have movie pitches so much as I just have like, Hey, I'm just going to like give you a couple of cool ideas and there's no plot. So I tried to string something together, but it's very, it's very light touch. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first on this one or? Sure. Uh, I think you'll like the title of mine, but I can tell you already, it's not going to deliver on what this title promises. Uh, but I decided to call my movie Escape from Vegas. I love it. Exactly. So love the title, forgive yeah. the content. Escape uh, from NY, Escape from LA, Escape yeah. from LV. I mean, it makes sense. It's yeah. You might as well escape. Uh, so we got Las Vegas. Uh, Elmo Mancini and Lucky Jackson are in town to race in the Grand Prix. Also in town for the Grand Prix is uh, another team owner, billionaire Larry Broll. So 
I decided we needed a bad guy for the movie, and the bad guy should obviously be a rich person. And so Broll wants to recruit a more skilled racer for his own team to basically do what Mancini was asking for, which is basically run run defense for this other driver and make them look good. And Mancini and Lucky refuse, particularly when Broll offers them an, an illegal beta-blocking drug to use to be better racers. And in fact, Lucky is so infuriated that he knocks the drug out of Broll's hand and into the Bellagio fountain. The drug is then dispersed through the water system and begins affecting everybody on the strip who drinks from the tap. And we'll say that the side effects of this untested drug are a complete lack of fear and inhibition. And so I, I, I wrote all these buzzy little lines. This turns the city of sin into the city of horror. The people have descended into lawlessness and madness Paradise City is now hell on earth. Uh, but Mancini, Rusty, and Lucky, they are, I don't know, they're cool kids. They they don't drink tap water. Right. Uh, so they're they're free from the influence and they have to fight their way out of there. But in order to get out of Vegas, they need an engine for Lucky's car. So we'll we'll retain that part of the plot. Um yeah. So they have to make it through all these crazies to get to the garage. So that's the goal. We get to the garage, we get the engine, we put the engine in the car, and then we leave. Okay, but first, I got to go on a date real quick. <laughs> yeah, first got to go <laughs> right. on all these dates. We're going to go water skiing. We're going to get into a helicopter, but we can't use that helicopter to escape. It's only for sightseeing. Um but Rusty knows a secret way through these underground tunnels that connect the casinos. We'll say that the, the yeah. mafia that created the strip uh, created these tunnels. And because Rusty's such an aficionado for Las Vegas history, she knows. Right. Uh, and so we'll say that they almost make it. But then Mancini has to heroically sacrifice himself. But we'll say that he does it in like a really cool, classy European gentleman way where, you know, like he, he has to sacrifice himself, but he gets like a great line. He, you know, gets lucky and, and rusty, all emotional. But they're the only two that make it. They get on the road from uh, the strip to Henderson uh we all we just want to get to henderson that'll be right. a refrain in the movie uh but as they're on their way and vegas is in the rear view they notice columns of smoke coming from their destination and as they get closer they also see silhouettes of people gathering in the middle of the road so the nightmare isn't over it has just begun roll credits very nice and you can have Kurt Russell as the Elvis. Oh, yeah. Kurt Russell as Elvis. I feel like that would be something he'd enjoy doing. Yeah, I think he was Elvis in one of the movies he was in, like 3,000 Miles to Graceland or something. Really? But, um, I didn't know yeah. that. You could have Elvis and Snake Plissken together <laughs> escape from Las Vegas. Ooh, ooh I like I like these notes. These are good notes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I like it. I like a good just sort of, and I like how you kept the car stuff and the engine. Like, yeah, you need an engine to get out of town. Um, and you could have tons of fun of just set pieces and gags, visual gags. Oh, yeah. I want it to be like people get all snow piercer, like, like inside the Bellagio is some like weird, like pseudo aristocratic kingdom where the the savages are enacting some kind of play <laughs> oh right well in in uh escape from new york they have that right when they go into oh, that one building when he first meets ernest borgnine they're watching a, a a musical where a bunch of the hobo prisoners are wearing dresses and stuff um yeah <laughs> yeah so, exactly exactly <laughs> so that tracks that tracks with the escape theme um I'm going to go a completely different way and I'm going to give, give you, I'm, I'm just going to give you some fun stuff. So my movie's called side bet. Ooh, and, side bet. I like it. We're keeping the it, gambling. It's going to be a 1964 movie. So this oh, is going to play lucky Jackson. No, this movie is from 1964. Like we have to go back in time to make it. Okay. All, my, okay. my entire cast is from the sixties. So Lucky Jackson is an amateur musician who wants to hit it big, of course. So what does he do? He goes to Vegas and he sees a show or two. He gambles away a little bit of pocket change. All that he just he's he's all alone, but he's just people watching. He's kind of off by himself. He's having a good time. He's just kind of like he's from a small town, so he's just taking it all in. However, we go to an alleyway. We go to like the back room of a hotel, little service area, elevator, something, something. He meets a man who's dying. And this man who's dying gives him like a, a sort of mystery riddle thing of like, like you've got to find out who, who killed me and you've got to stop them from doing this big thing that they're going to do because whatever it is, it's going to be bad. So now we have a bunch of stuff that I like, which is I like movies where people who aren't detectives are forced to become detectives. And I like very movies. Very deep red. Very deep red. And I like movies where like people sort of take on someone else's mission. You know what I mean? We're like. I like that too. That's a good. Yeah. It's always an interesting thing because it's like, how do I prevent myself from becoming the person who failed the mission? Right. And so and the person who was originally doing the mission obviously was well equipped to do it and failed. So now this new person has to take over. And by using the new skills that are for them, they're able to sort of look at the problem in a new way and overcome the problems and not end up like the person before. So what does he do? He's got to take on this role. The person who died is a cop. So now he takes the cop's ID and he takes the cop's badge and gun and stuff. And he essentially plays cop, which allows him to go backstage in Vegas in the 60s. And we're going to do more of like an eight millimeter snake eyes kind of like grounded, weird, almost in the supernatural area kind of you know, thing of like the deeper he digs, the more confusing it is, but also like the deeper he digs, like the more dangerous. Shot. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
And so I've just got five actors who I want to put into this movie. And I thought it'd be really cool if we did this over like a week. And so the first one is Candace Hillegas. Candace Hillegas, you will recognize from Carnival of Souls. Love um, her. And so she had a very, very striking physical appearance. And she just had a very unique look about her, a very unique style, much like Elvis had his own unique style. So I was thinking she could be a waitress, but it'd be cool if we saw her as a waitress in different uh, casinos. And like every one of her characters was a different character, but they were all portrayed by her, but they all are like giving him the same little bits of ground information, right? Like they're all giving him these little bits of crumbs. And so as he meets all these different Candace Hillegasses, he is gathering information and he's deciding what to do and where to go and, and the lingo that he needs to adopt. Then he's going to, of course, have to go talk to a pit boss, right? And so who better mm -hmm. to play a pit boss than Lee Marvin? Oh, oh my God. Lee Marvin. Could you imagine just a whole 10, scene? 10 wood bang. Ah. Oh. Lee Mar Lucky scouting out the pit boss and Lee Marvin having to take a guy into the back and beat the shit out of him and then come back out and lay the law of the land in the casino and just be the most alpha-ish, swinging-ish dick there is in Vegas. It would be great to see him as a pit boss. And then Lucky, pretty boy Elvis Presley Lucky, has to kind of like non-intimidatingly coax some information out of him and like uses trickiness to get the information um then we have dennis hopper could be Ooh, the supply dennis guy hopper. right so i was thinking dennis hopper could be the supply guy and the whole time we uh we're, we're following lucky around we get rusty and we can have it like rusty is the biggest act in vegas right now right everyone wants to go see rusty so we get little interstitials of her and her show and how great it is and rusty is a musician and the bits mm -hmm. that we get of her show are like actual magic like how is she doing actual Ooh. magic right so again we're 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 dipping our toes into the supernatural so dennis hopper is going to be this guy who supplies the the materials to all the musicians and and um and magicians in vegas you know you need sparklers and doves and costumes and all this when they stuff. say i got a guy he's the guy right he's the guy so not only is he the guy for your more standard vegas acts but he's your guy for the more seedier and supernatural vegas acts so not only okay. does our character have to go to him once to try to see what's up he has to go to him again and be like, no, I really know what's up. Show me all the good stuff. So Dennis Hopper points him in the direction of Rusty. And he can't just barge into Rusty's show and, and stop her. Because he doesn't even know what the plan is or anything like that yet. So he's got to go talk to her manager. Her manager is Kim Novak. So Kim Novak is ah. going to be this like hardened person who wanted to be what rusty is but maybe she's got like a scar like someone cut her during a show one night now she's got a scar so of course she can't be a showgirl in vegas she's got a scar so she's the manager of a showgirl and she's got resentment but she's also like really good at what she does and she's super intimidating and sexy and so he's got to go up to her and kind of like 
tell her like, hey, I'm on your girl's trail and I'm going to have to stop her. And Kim Novak is kind of like happy about it, but also kind of mad about it because, you know, she doesn't like Rusty, but also like she hates Vegas. So she wants to spite Vegas and bring Vegas crumbling to its knees. And so that's what's at stake here. And then the fifth actor that I have, the fifth thing that we have is, of course, we're going to dip our toes and uh, we've we've already dipped our toes in the supernatural. So now we're just going to go ahead and cannonball in. We're going to have Vincent Price as the devil. Mwah. Of course. Mwah, 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 mwah. So, love, it. love Vincent. <laughs> Friend of love, the podcast, Vincent Price. Right. Not And we love Devil's Devil, Lucifer, also friend of the podcast. Um, Elizabeth Hurley and Peter Stormare, both great devils. Um, and Vincent Price would also be a great one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so Vincent Price, he's got to make a deal with the devil to overtake Rusty. And like, you know, you can't just make a deal with the devil because you know it's going to turn out bad for you. But also, if he doesn't make a deal with the devil, Vegas could come crumbling down. So essentially, he goes to Rusty's show and he tricks her into letting her bring him up on stage and singing a song, right? Very Constantine-like. He uses mm -hmm. his trickiness. And in the song that he sings, he ends up dropping a spell that takes away her immortality. It makes her mortal. And then she attacks him. Of course, they have like some grand magician, uh, musician battle on stage. And the crowd thinks it's all part of the show. Um, that's great i like that i like that then, kind of adding some comedy to it right <laughs> but then she ends up doing one of those things where like as a bad guy she presses the button to blow up the thing but oh she didn't know that he switched the thing so then she blows up instead and then you know the the happily the bittersweet happily ever after is like we could cut to modern day and lucky jackson is still in vegas because he's made a deal with the devil so he's alive still and he's still in vegas maybe he's like his own impersonator on the street just working oh you bubba hotepped him yeah so we're gonna bubba hotep him at the end but um yeah i just thought it'd be cool to, to think about all those actors playing different bit parts and character parts and stuff in a uh, a semi-grounded but wacky supernatural Vegas mystery murder mystery detective. I like it. Movie. You gave me a noir movie. You gave me a yeah. shooter movie. Yeah. You undersold did... it. You had more ideas than you gave yourself credit for. Uh, I mean, but the whole the whole idea of there actually being like the plot to the movie would be very key. But I didn't want to get bogged down in plot because that's one of those things that's like. What am I going to do? Try to actually make a murder mystery? No. Let me just think about Candace Hillegas serving up her pit boss, Lee Marvin, some drinks. Plot schplot. You got vibes. That's all that matters. Yeah. I got vibes vibes, baby. Yeah. Well, before we get into our love bites for this episode, just want to remind everybody to like us, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, reviews, those help. And you can follow us on social media at NecromancerPod. So what would you like to recommend to the Elvis fans this week? 
and non-Elvis fans too. Uh, well, you would, how would you describe Elvis in terms of he was like a pretty boy, right? Like kind yes. of, yeah. But he's also like he's kind of portrayed as a man's man, but he's a pretty boy. But he's not like totally beta effeminate. Like he's still got this air of like no one's gonna tell me what to do. Um, and so I. I mean, when we're recording this and releasing this, the, the time difference will be will be a thing. But I kind of recently went to Miami with Sonia and we went to go see one of her friends, her her lifelong friends there. And what they wanted to do was get pedicures. So I ended up getting a pedicure. And oh. I think if you're a guy and you want to take a girl out for a nice, good time, Take her to go get a pedicure. I think that would make a great date for uh, for any guy trying to woo a girl. And uh, especially if you let her pick out your toenail polish color. Because that's... What color did Sonia pick out? Well, Sonia didn't pick out the color. Her friend picked out the color. Her friend picked pink. And at the end awesome. of the pedicure, she was like, is this your first time getting a pedicure? I was like, this isn't my first time getting a pedicure. And oh. honestly, this isn't my first time my toenails have been pink. Because that was one of the, the first things that Sonia did when we had our first pedicure. She was like, I'm picking pink for you. And I was like, all right, I'll call <laughs> so your you bluff. Were, you were prepared for this. Oh, yeah. you, you're oh, extremely yeah. comfortable. I think that's cool. Yeah. And, but I mean, as a guy, like, you don't got to worry about it because no one's going to see your toenails. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't looking. You, you wear socks and shoes. No one's seeing your toenails. So the girl that you like gets to know that you got nice, good-looking feet. But right. also, I, I'm, not, nice I, I'm not, really not into, yeah, I'm, I'm not into pedicure foot stuff. So, like, it is a nice thing to have every once in a while, like, once every year year or two for me but like it, it is kind of weird because i don't have the best feet I, I am a little self-conscious about it but the ladies are pros don't worry about it you'll be fine they're pros um how about you what's your love bite earlier in the episode i teased the fact that i didn't like elvis until someone i thought was cool revealed that they liked elvis and that person is drumroll Joe Strummer, who some of you might recognize as the lead singer of a punk band called The Clash. And Joe Strummer, after The Clash, uh, he had a radio show on the BBC where he curated playlists. And one of the Elvis songs that Joe Strummer included on his show was a song called Crawfish, and Elvis sings this song in a movie, uh, King Creole, which is actually directed by Michael Curtiz. So I have not seen King Creole, even though I'm a I love Michael Curtiz. You know, he did Casablanca like this. Yeah. This guy knows how to make it a good movie. So it's it's on my list now that I've I've dipped my toe in the Elvis cinematic universe. I feel like if I watch another one, it'll probably be that. But. I've listened to the song Crawfish many times. I think it's a really cool song. Yes, it's about crawfish, uh, but it, it's got a really cool kind of bluesy instrumentation. 
behind it. And uh, I highly recommend people go look up that song. Uh, and then also Joe Strummer's radio show. There's a lot of really cool, interesting music on there. Uh, and some of his Elvis choices were really good. All right. I'm going to listen to it as soon as we're done. Crawfish. All right. Craw Daddy. Speaking of Craw Daddies, how would uh, Craw Daddy Mars sign us off? Uh, Hail to the king! Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.